On April 29, 1992, a jury in a Simi Valley courtroom acquitted four Los Angeles police officers of the brutal beating of motorist Rodney King. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Stacey C. Kuhn, not guilty. That decision would ignite six of the most explosive days in Los Angeles history. 37 people dead, more than 1,300 injured, more than 4,000 arrested. Damage estimate, $200 million and rising. Radio Free 102.3 KJLH remembers the civil unrest of 1992. And throughout all the chaos, we were there. Please stay out of the streets and keep you updated on what's going on yeah. around you so you don't need to go out in the yeah, streets. We'll let you know. Tune in to KJLH all week, April 30th through May 4th, as Carl Nelson returns to the front page, 4.30 to 6 a.m., to join with Dominique DePrima for the 20th anniversary of the front page and the civil unrest. And to this gentleman, I'll call him, that says there's a revolution happening, a revolution happens if we're fighting the enemy. We're out there tonight fighting each other. Right here on Radio Free 102.3 KJLH. The original community. This is the front page on Radio Free 102.3 KJLH. Cause the worst come the worst, my people's come first. So if you ain't busting down, uh, please disperse. Uh, please disperse. Uh, please disperse. I knew I never should have bought that tease the purse. Cause the worst come the worst, my people's come first. So if you ain't busting down, please disperse. Uh, please disperse. Uh, please disperse. Uh, please disperse. Please disperse. Radio Free, 102.3 KJLH. It is the front page. I'm Dominique DePrima. And we are looking back almost exactly 20 years since L.A.'s civil unrest erupted on the streets here and across the nation, really, in urban centers across the nation. We have some special guests in the studio. I want to talk about an aspect of... The unrest, the riots, the rebellion, depending on who you ask, that is not talked about as much. And I think perhaps should be. Um, Akila Shirelles is here. He's a campaigner against gang violence and the death penalty. He lives in Watts, Los Angeles, USA. And in 1992, he was part of brokering a peace agreement between Bloods and Crips. Um, his son... Terrell Shirelles was shot to death in 2004 and was an apparently random killing. He's the executive director and co-founder with his brother Daoud of the Community Self-Determination Institute. He also helped start a Mare I Can with Jim Brown of football fame. Akila, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dominique, for having me on the show. You brought some friends with you. We'll introduce them in just a moment. Uh, famous friends. Um, Akila, I want you to reflect a little bit, though, if you would, about 1992 civil unrest from the street view. You were here. You were not, you know, in high school. Yeah, you know, 1992 was an interesting year. Okay, um, we're having a problem with your mic, so um, let's try again. Go ahead. Yes. There we go. All right. 1992 yeah. was an interesting year, you say? Absolutely. You know, it was the height of war in the city of L.A. We were ex experiencing some 1,000 to 1,100 murders a year. Street war, you mean? 
street war. Gang war. Absolutely. Um, and literally a war. I mean, over the past 25 years alone in L.A. County, you know, there's been over 20,000 gang-related deaths. Doesn't include those who have been permanently maimed or incarcerated for the rest of their life behind their participation. Um, you know, we were dealing with the after effects of the crack cocaine trade, you know, went through our community like Hurricane Katrina, affected every urban neighborhood across the country. Because we're talking 92 and the 80s are really, the 80s are the period of time where L.A. is stacking up body bags. Absolutely. Absolutely. And at the same time, there was a real movement that was happening amongst the streets, um, you know, utilizing the music as well as just the um, the the... Um, the strain and the stress in the neighborhood, I think, inspired people to a different level of conversation. You know, folks wanted to somehow stop this killing. And you're from Watts. Absolutely. And Watts, you know, for all it's famous for, I think maybe beyond L.A. doesn't get credit for being the epicenter of the peace movement here in Los Angeles, which is still ongoing. Absolutely. The peace treaty is really different from what it was, um, you know, 20 years ago when we organized it. I think one of the key things that came out of it was maybe three dozen community-based organizations that are headed up by ex-gang members and ex-convicts who saw that it was important to invest in themselves, to address the deep traumas and wounds in their own personal life, to get out of their own way so that they could be effective at providing a set of quality services to their families and children growing up in the neighborhood. And you talk about peace treaty. When I first came to L.A., which was after, after 92, I thought the peace treaty came out of the civil unrest. But um, Bo Taylor, may he rest in peace, and some others corrected me that, in fact, that movement for peace had started before 92. Absolutely. But 92 cemented the peace movement in yes. the streets. We, we started organizing the peace treaty in 1988. We started marching, um, myself and uh, my brother Daoud, a group of the homies from the neighborhood, we started marching in all of the housing developments because one of the things we recognized was nobody was winning the war that we was waging, waging against each other. Every time somebody died, we'd hit their name up on the wall, we'd pour out a little 40 ounce in their remembrance, but there was nobody really there providing direction and guidance for the children that was left behind. So... But when the streets exploded, when, when Rodney King, you know, when those officers were acquitted and, and the people started to protest, how did that change that peace movement? Well, we had already, two days before the Rodney King verdict, we had took 250 Crips and Bloods down on City Hall and announced to the city council that, the, you know, the so-called Crips and Bloods in the community was coming together to atone for the wrongs that we had perpetrated and to do something about the violence in the city. And we got kind of dismissed in a sense. You know, Jim Brown was at the head of um, the, uh, um, you know, the group that went before the city council. Maybe that's why they gave us as long as they gave us. <laughs> but um, they did kind of like dismiss. But, I, I mean, I've talked to other people, and one of them is here right now, that said the, the tone of it or the mood of it or maybe the urgency of it changed after um, after the civil unrest hit. Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, the neighborhood had been a powder keg for years, and huh. so-called gang members were being scapegoated for all of the problems that were happening in the neighborhood, and we knew that it wasn't true. You know, gangs have become, in a sense, synonymous with, like, insurgent. The title in itself actually dehumanizes the person behind it, so... You know, you 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 know, a 14-year-old kid get killed in the neighborhood, and 
you know, folks are, you know, folks will lose their mind. But if you say a gang member was killed in a neighborhood, you know, people are desensitized to the plight of, you know, young black and right. brown kids. And we just automatically just say, okay, you know, maybe we should kill him again. Coach Cornell Ward is here. He's the executive director of Unity One, uh, the Unity One Foundation. And it's an organization that had a big role in the development of 92 ceasefire agreement in West Los Angeles, founded by Bo Taylor, um, and seeks to build, he says, upon past experiences and lessons. Good to see you. Good to see you too, Donna. Cornell Ward, uh, Coach Cornell Ward, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> when, you know, follow. take me a little further on down the road from where Akila has taken me. Now we've been hearing about there's been a movement towards peace in the streets anyway. There's, well, but and then 92 happens. How does that change things? Well, one is, you know, we start to understand as we got a little older and a little wiser that we're just... Uh, fathers and dads and big brothers and and that's Aquila and that's not no pookie down the street and we wanted to live and let our kids live and so it, it it sometimes sounds selfish but it was just a transformation that we didn't want to kill each other any longer and and that's wh why we do what we do every day now is to speak life into a dying situation some people said to me and I'm, I'm thinking about Gosh, I just can't believe how many people are, are gone. You know, yeah. Bo Taylor was thinking yeah. about um, Rocky, um, mm -hmm. you know, thinking about Looney, oh, uh, thinking about, you know, yeah. Yeah, so I never thought all those guys would be gone. You know, one of the interesting things, Dominique, as well, is that so many of the peacemakers, you know, who have been a part of the movement have lost their children, as you, you know, opened up the show with. Sister. Yep, sister lost both of her boys. Uh, Reggie Sim lost both of his boys. Kathy, Kathy lost, lost both, both of her boys. boys. I mean, it's it's been. You There's know, no epidemic. higher price to pay, is there? Absolutely. No yeah. higher price. These lives become fuel for the fire. You know, I know for me, with losing my son, you know, folks started mounting up in the neighborhood and wanted to take 16 years of work we had been doing at that point and just toss it to the conditioned response. Let's go and ride on those cats who took the big homie's son. And I was like, that's not Terrell's legacy. We haven't been doing this work for 16 years because we playing games. I'm like, we're going to harness the essence of my son's life and we're going to do something profound with it. I'm like, we're going to do something that the system expects us to do the opposite. But I'm like, we're going to forgive this young man. Not condone what he did, but we're going to create an opportunity for a deeper dialogue to begin to happen in the culture, to begin to ask the question of why. What What's the, the, the physical, psychological abuse that underscores the violence that's happening in the neighborhood? Because it's easy to just say, oh, it was gang-related. Instead of looking at, you know, what are the, the serious mental health issues that are underscoring, you know, these the violence that is happening in the neighborhood, and how are we looking at, you know, addressing the root causes of the violence? When you talk about root causes, I don't think we can have this conversation without talking about crack cocaine. That's and right, the, um, it, because everything, I mean, we always had violence, we always had poverty, we always had uh a lower level of, e of educational opportunities in other mm -hmm. communities, but we never reached the level of violence that hit our community, and really until the 80s. Yes. Um, and and that was with the introduction of of crack cocaine, of rock cocaine. Um, with us in the studio, uh, he's known as Freeway Rick, Ricky Rick Ross. He's a convicted drug trafficker best known for the drug empire he presided over in Los Angeles in the 80s. Right now he's working on film projects. Um, Rick, when you look back 
at 92, what comes into your mind? Well, you know, I was in prison, but the thing that really hit me while I was in prison was to see them making these moves and saying, wow, guys in my community doing this here, they putting the peace tree together, they're taking their background and now they're helping people to uh, to do better with their lives. So I took a lesson from them and, and it helped me to start doing the things that I'm doing right now with my life. In a segment before this, we were talking about um, redemption. You feel like you're on a path to redemption? Oh, without a question. I think right now that, that I don't think that there's many people out here that's doing more work than I am in the community. Just left Chicago, spoke at St. Francis University, uh, spoke at two high schools while I was there. And I've been traveling the country since I've been out. Um, and the kids, they, they, they love it. You know, getting it from somebody that's real, that's, that's uncut, you know what I'm saying, that's not sugarcoating it. You know, I give it to them just like it is. And I think that they appreciate it. When you say um, there's no one doing more than you're doing, give me an example. I mean, you, you talked about speaking to young people. What other kinds of things are you doing? Wow. I'm, I'm doing a documentary right now to explain how we get involved with drugs, what type of mindset it takes to sell drugs, uh, what kind of mindset it takes to, uh, to become a gang member. You know, you have to be to the point where it, low self-esteem, you know, you don't really care about yourself. When I was growing up, before I was 24, I didn't know if I would be living when I was 24 years old and didn't care. You know, it was like I get up in the morning, put my gun in my waist, and I'm like, I'm out here. Deal with me. When you look at the peace treaty, I mean, here you have um, Cornell and Aquila. Who, by the way, you guys are joining together for a big event the yes. coming weekend, which we will yeah. talk about. But when you look at what they're talking about, you know, the peace treaty, when you... And I know it's not still called Peace Treaty, but the right. urban peace movement that continues to this day. Do you ever think to yourself that if it wasn't for you, maybe there wouldn't have been such a need for a peace treaty? Or maybe there wouldn't have been so many body bags? Because a lot of that shooting and killing really was about money and drugs. Well, not just random blue and red. Well, you know, one thing, uh, gangs were already there, gang banging. But what happened is when we started selling drugs, now not only did you have the gang banging, but you had money to really uh, finance the things that you were doing. So, I.e. guns. Yeah, buy guns, uh, travel across the country. We were just talking about how uh, the drugs started allowing us to send the gangs to other cities and, and things like that there. So definitely uh, uh, it played a major role in it. Uh, but would it not have happened? I don't think so. I think that the problem is not the drugs. I think that the problem is a mentality that has been put on us by Jim Crow. You know, they never wanted us to be equal or um, just as good. And I think that that's affecting our community. It affected me. You know, that's I how I that's became true a drug too, dealer. But the drugs play a part in it, too. I oh, mean, absolutely. Is there do you do you, do you have to but, take responsibility for that on some level? Well, what I believe is that we should have our community where if somebody came and dropped drugs off in our community that our kids are smart enough to say you know what i'm not getting involved and if i'm not mistaken right now they're still selling drugs on our street today yeah well and we'd love to see every community like that but i can't it, it'd be hard to imagine what i don't i don't care if it's bel-air uh, you know, if you flood it with crack cocaine the way our community is flooded, even without our history of abuse and enslavement, you're going to have some addicts. Yeah, I, I think also that, that there is a, a certain amount of accountability and responsibility that we have to take full that we played in perpetuating, you know, the drug sales and the violence. However, you know, when we look at especially like cases like, like Rick Ross, 
you know, we discovered that the CIA, you know, was behind, you know, the whole drug trade in the first place. You know, the Iran-Contra, you know, a debacle, dropping, you know, all of these drugs in our community to finance, you know, their own war. And, and I, you know, and, and I marched with Crack the CIA, and I'm aware right. of these things. You know, I, I did. I was here then. That's right. That's right. But I, but I, I guess what I'm getting at is, I mean, you know, Akil, you went to, um, you, you, be, you, you launched the reverence movement. Yes. You, you visited sacred sites around the world. Now I'm not talking just politics. I'm right. talking about our spiritual, our emotional. <clears throat> our historical responsibility for redemption, not just individually, but for our community. And and not just talking to Rick Ross either, because both right. of you uh, have been involved in in gang violence. How do you, Akila, as, as a member of a reverence movement, how do you wash, if you want to get real spiritual, wash the sins or wash that violence? How do you clean that from yourself and from your community? I, you know, my belief is that we have to tell the story. We have to talk about... Is telling about, the story enough, though? How do you change the story? Well, I mean, I, rappers I always that, say they tell the story, but then they're repeating the same story over and adding to the story, glorifying themselves the story, making themselves the Rick Ross. Well, I, I agree. I, I think that it's not enough to just tell the story. You know, to, it's not enough to just have, like, a transformative experience without kind of illuminating the patterns in one's personal life that, uh, that can, you know, keeps them connected to like this karmic like you know debt that we feel like we have to pay mm. so i think that one is telling the story the second thing though i think is to be witnessed telling the story because in the witnessing something profound happens there's an absolving of the emotional sting or, or um, a, there's a dissolving of the emotional discharge that's connected to the transgression or to the things that we have been victimized by or things that we've been that and we've what perpetrated. i call spiritual cooties i mean i just yes, don't uh, think you can do dirt and not get dirty. That's true. So how do you take a spiritual bath is the question. Well, Ronnell, you, you had something to I, say. I definitely do, and I'm over here itching to because <laughs> I know you're Look what they say. I love this thing called Jesus, you know, <laughs> and I know that he can save you from you, and that's exactly what happened because, you know, Rick kicked me out the car, you know, because I screwed up in school and, and went back to the neighborhood just like a lot of kids do, and he saw me on the corner, and, and it, there was a transformation to do wrong. But then at the at the same time, he saw something good in me and said, man, you got to get out of here. You got to go back to school. And I went back to school. So the negative leadership can turn something into a positive leadership. Because when I went back to school and made All-American and then became a football coach, and that's why they call me Coach Today, there's over 2,000 boys that look like you and I that have heard these stories mm -hmm. because they weren't, they weren't sugar-coated. And then I get a call just yesterday from a mom of one of my players who in the NFL mm. and she started to weep and she started to cry and I said well what's wrong she said well my son is about to be inducted into the Hall of Fame at Compton Community College oh, and he right. said he said mom call Coach Ward I want him to accept it on, on, on my behalf because mm. he helped and she said coach she started she kept weeping I said well what's wrong she said babe she said coach don't you remember telling him them stories about how he needed to stay away from drugs and stay away from this he was born as a crack baby so the Transformation of speaking life into a dying situation can yes, help sir. somebody save somebody's life. You Let's know? hit the phones. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Rick Ross. Mm -hmm. what, what I wanted to say too, uh, you know, when when I got out, one of the people that I wanted to visit was Minister Farrakhan, and he told me, he said, "Brother, if you take your life and use it as an experiment to save 
thousands and thousands of other young black men that's following down the same path that you're going down, then your life would have had a total different meaning. One of the things, too, my first judge that sentenced me told me that he he sentenced his first drug dealer the same year that I was born. So he said drugs been around way longer than you've been around, and you're not the problem. That is true, but I, I would argue that crack cocaine took it to another level. I really... Absolutely. But that, I mean, that's not the sole focus of today's show, but I would I would make that argument just because what I've seen still in our community. Um, it's the 20th anniversary, not just of L.A. civil unrest. It's the 20th anniversary of the Watts Gang Peace Treaty, and that is being celebrated this weekend in Watts. We're going to tell you about that. I want People are itching to talk to you guys, so I want to <laughs> get to the phones. Tracy, I hope I'm saying your name right. Tracy from uh, L.A.? You're yes. On. No, this is not L.A., this is Tracy. But you're from L.A.? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Good morning. <laughs> okay. You're on the air, so now's the time to talk. Okay. Um, first of all, I want to say that there's still power in the blood of Jesus. That's right. Secondly, I want to say I love my black men. I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, third, I want to know, where was the uh, crack cocaine introduced to the black community? Because I hear contradicting stories about the 80s and 70s. I just want to know, do anybody know the exact year or whatever? Interesting question. Tracy wants to know. Do you know, Rick? No, I don't know. I, uh, Can you guess? I helped Arthur a book, and they said that uh, it came in around 74 is when they first started uh, messing around with cooking cocaine. That's an estimate. Right. And But we know when it when it really gained popularity wasn't until the yeah, 80s. Yeah, it probably took off around 82, 83. Because in yeah. the 70s, it was all about heroin, if you want to talk about... Like PCP. Right. You know, Richard oh, Pryor. PCP, Richard right. Pryor. Yeah. Guys like Richard Pryor, Rick It was Denny, a pioneer, was, right? And, and those were the guys. The addiction look, to crack look, cocaine. And my uncles, you know, my aunties, you know, everybody you seen smoking in the bathroom, you know what that was. That's right. You smelt something. Yeah. Actually, I looked Forrest from people. L.A. <laughs> Oh, you didn't uh, <laughs> Forrest from L.A., you're on. Uh, good morning, Dominique. Good morning, good morning to the gentleman. Uh, good morning. First, good morning. Good morning. Uh, first of all, I wanted to commend you guys on uh, the work that you're doing. And, uh, I, you know, I grew up in the 80s in high school. And I, I didn't know Rick, but, I, you know, knew people who knew him. So I was kind of connecting a little bit to your story. And I was wondering, I said, I heard this rapper couple of years ago and he was saying that he was you and it kind of tripped me out because I was like when he first started rapping he was you know talking about stuff I said that's not him <laughs> and I always wondered how you felt about that particular and have you ever talked to Rick Ross yeah we were in court about a month ago in a lawsuit where I was trying to stop him from using my name oh okay is that still ongoing uh no the judge dismissed it about three weeks ago um, and Rick Ross, the rapper, is actually a former uh, former police officer. Yes, he is. He doesn't advertise right. that quite so much. but Nor that he doesn't have any convictions. Uh, I think that, that, I mean, just the whole concept of media, the way that they're brainwashing our children, and, uh, uh, I mean, it's really crazy that, that how hard they fought to keep this guy using my name to authentic their... Uh, 
their story, you know, and, and, and if you look at it, the message that's being passed our children right now is go out, sell cocaine, and, and parlay it into a record a record career. So it, it's really crazy with all the stuff that's going on, and, and I understand why our kids are, are confused and, and, and don't know which way to go, because they, they don't get to hear guys like uh, Brother Shakir and, and, and Cornell enough, or myself, because when they hear us, they listen to us. Now... So, Rick, you're saying part of the reason that you object to Rick Ross, the rapper, using your name is because he's perpetuating the image of the drug dealer as a, as a glamour figure or as some kind of a career choice. Absolutely. You know, the first time I saw cocaine was in the movie Superfly. And what was your reaction to that? Oh, I saw a black man that I wanted to be like. Mm, For the first time in my life, I had saw... Before that, I was white guys I used to see on TV. Oh, man, I, I wish he was my dad. I wish that I was like him. Huh. Uh, 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 right. But then when I saw Superfly, I said, oh, no, I saw a black guy that, that whooped up on, 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 as he said, whitey. You know what I'm saying? To be, to be frank. And uh, had the all of the material things as well, right? Exactly. I, I would say that, you know, that's one of the things that's changed over the, over the last 20 years, that hip-hop music has now been co-opted by corporate America. And, you know, they romanticize and, you know, the violence in the neighborhood. But you know what, what Akila, whether it's COINTELPRO, right? Yes. Whether it's the, coke, the crack cocaine trade, or you could talk about rap or whatever, there's always somebody... From the neighborhood, somebody from the community, somebody of color that helps, you know, with our demise. And, no and, we have that, and that's Crow. where we come Jim in. Crow. And that's where we yeah. come in. We, you that's know, right. you can you can talk about uh, Whitey, which is a concept, you know, that I think we should bury with the, the decade. Absolutely. But we also have to look at what are we doing for self? What are we doing for our community? What do we do to get to that point that Rick Ross is talking about where you can drop a bale of crack cocaine in, in our neighborhood and our children just keep it pushing? Well, we just saying we ain't going to let that happen no right. more. I mean, we refuse to allow that to happen. And that's that's all over the city, all over the country, and all over the nation. We're just not going to fall for it anymore. Absolutely. It's the 20th anniversary not just of the civil unrest. It's the 20th anniversary of the Watts Gang Peace Treaty. It's all part of the cycle of where we are in Los Angeles. And there is a huge celebration going on this coming weekend in Watts. We'll tell you about that. Take more of your phone calls, 520-KJLH, 520-5554. All that straight ahead. It's the front page, Total Talk Expression, Radio Free, 102.3, KJLH. We have quite a panel uh, here in the studio. Keila Shirelles is with us. He is... Um, the director and co-founder of CSDI, Community Self-Determination Institute. He was part of the Watts Peace Treaty, the legendary, in 1992. Uh, Rick Ross is with us. He is uh, now a producer of films, uh, among other things. And Coach Cornell is with us. He is the... Executive director. Main mucky muck of Unity One. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also has been doing the peacemaking work since at least 92. Absolutely. And uh, let's talk about your event. I want to hit the phones, but you know. Sure. One, I don't want it to go by without. And you have a press conference today? We have yeah. a press conference today at 11 o'clock at the Watch Gang Task Force meeting. 
um, at um, 103rd and Compton Avenue in Watts. Um, you know, big shout-outs to uh, Mama Betty Day and Donnie Jubert and all of the folks over at the Watts Gang Task Force who have been, you know, giving us their support. Yeah, so we're going to have a big press, uh, press conference this morning to announce the 20th anniversary reunion celebration. The theme of the event is called What's Possible. It's healing as a catalyst for sustainable change. One of the things that we recognize is that it's one thing to create a peace treaty, and it's a whole other work to sustain it over the long haul. And sustainability requires that we balance the gift and the wound in our own personal life, that we, you know, somehow deal with the traumatic experiences that we've suffered through and get out of our own way so that we can access our highest possibilities and probabilities. So the two-day event, um, April 27th, at the Maxine Waters Employment Preparation Center will be a community dialogue, a four-panel discussion um, with many of the, um, the peacemakers who were instrumental in organizing the peace treaty, first panel um, in Title, the Pioneers. The second panel is called The Fire This Time. That's actually moderated by your brother, um, Raz Baraka, who was instrumental in helping, um, uh, who was actually instrumental in organizing the peace treaty in Newark, New Jersey. Believe it or not, uh, Grape Street is the biggest crip gang in Newark, New Jersey, so he enlisted myself and. Even though there is no street called Grape in Newark. Absolutely. He enlisted us to come out and support him with the work, and uh, we organized a peace treaty there um, that still lasts to this day. Uh, the fourth panel is called Responding with Faith, uh, facilitated by Tony Massingale um, with, uh, you know, many of the, you know, faith-based leaders who have been involved with the, with the work over the years. And the fourth panel called Seating Possibilities that will be, um, have, you know, such folks as, you know, the Honorable Jim Brown, Connie Rice, um, you know, uh, John King from Hakla. And the, the whole idea of the conversation is, um, is past, present, and future. You know, what inspired us initially to get involved with the work? You know, what are we doing today? And, um, you know, where do we see the future of gang intervention prevention services going? So this is, the panel discussions are all day on the 27th. Yes. And then the 28th, there's a community celebration. Starts yes. at 7 o'clock in the morning, goes till 6 o'clock at night. So basically, you could be busy all day. Uh, and that is going to be at Graham Avenue and 103rd at the old station. At the 103rd Street Metro Rail Station. So a whole weekend of events uh, around the Watts Peace Treaty 20th Anniversary uh, Celebration. A day of panel discussions. Yes. A day of celebration. Yes. And... Um, We'll have this up at KJLHradio.com. We'll have it up at DominiqueDeprima.com. It's free. It's free. Everybody's invited. Everybody is invited. And uh, it's, I mean, it's just a great way to spend this weekend. If you want to commemorate, let's commemorate something positive that, that came out of this. I never thought I would see the day. Uh, when we have what we have now, you know, of course, you know, my right. husband, uh, the grid office and, yes, and, and, you know, the community organizations, LAPD, gang intervention people working together. Tremendous. Were you there that day? Um, I think you were there that day uh, when uh, it was Bo Taylor, it was Rocky. I can't remember who else was there. It was a whole bunch. It was like. 14 of you guys. First time I ever met uh, the Unity One crew yeah, at the old beat. Were you there that day? No, I wasn't there oh, that you, day. Oh, I thought you were there. Oh, I guess it was the other... Or yeah, no, maybe. No, I thought you were there. No. Well, and that day, to t that was like maybe 95 yeah. to now. Wow. Yeah, it was 95. It was when I first got to town, and it was like, wake up, call. <laughs> right, right. Guess what? The streets want to meet you. I'm like, okay, I'm with it. What's going on?
Okay, we got a lot of people that want to talk to you. Uh, Jeff from Culver City, short version, if you would. Hey, good morning, Dominique and the guest. Uh, yeah, my question is a freeway, Rick. Understand you purchased uh, the Apollo West Theater in my old neighborhood in the West Adams District, uh, freeway, Rick. Whatever happened to the reopening that theater for the children and community, and did you still have plans for such a venture? And uh, I'll take my answer off there. Thanks, Jeff. And, uh, uh, somebody else got it when I went to prison, so uh, it's out of my hands now. You ever see yourself doing something like that again? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to do you'll that keep, and bigger. You know, keep right us now, posted. I'm just waiting to uh, to get the finances together because what I, what I recognize, you know, when I see these guys out here fighting is that ain't nobody going to come up and help them do something positive. They're going to be looking to, to the negative instead of the positive and help these guys with the financing that they need. So what I'm going to do is take my entrepreneur skills that I use in the drugs and get filthy rich and back them. <laughs> That's right. Uh, let's go to Howard from L.A. Hi, Howard. I need the abbreviated version. Howard? Oh, Howard? Yes. Oh, I, I'm an ex-employee King Drew. I worked at the ET scan X-ray department. I just want to comment I was there in the ground zero of the, of the gang war there. And just a quick story, I've been rolling uh, by them on the graveyard shift. I come in on my grave rush that weekend and uh, the shit before me had 10 gunshot wounds and I had about three or four myself. I just had to call the station and they get some happy music to brighten my day. And uh, I'm just so happy. The whole hospital was just so happy when the gang truce was um, implemented and things and uh, a lot of employees and things. We were all attended to different meetings and things. So i just like to say, as a black man in the community, I'm glad this, this is kind of like cease, but it's not all the way like I like to see it. It's still violence out there and, uh, and continue to work. And uh, my daughter, she has it all. Uh, okay, uh, I need you to land for me because I'm really almost out of time here. Okay, uh, um, I'd just like you to shout out to Kira as well. Bye-bye. Thank you, Howard. Any quick if response? I might say, yeah, that the peace treaty, you know, it literally changed the quality of life in Watts, and it domino affected every major city across the country. So we're going to have many of those individuals from across the country. Andre Norman from Boston, Terrence Roberts from Denver. Um, of course, we said Ras Baraka from New Jersey, uh, Brother Maurice and, um, uh, and Rudy Corpus from San Francisco. We're going to have individuals from all across the country coming to speak into this field and weigh, you know, into this conversation so that, you know, we can continue the movement. I want to Give a shout out to my man Bobby Jones over in the PJs. They call him Yay, um, who is really you know one of the new generation young folks who are who's inspiring and who is working on the ground to try to create some peace in the neighborhood and, and a whole new movement. Antoine from LA. Antoine. Uh, good morning, Dominique, and uh, good morning to your guests. <clears throat> I just want to tell your guests um, thank you for the work that you all have been doing the past few years. Um, I was out of California for eight years, but I didn't realize that the peace treaty has been going on strong like that. So I'm just going to say thank you to the gentleman uh, that you have in the panel. Thank you, thank Antoine. You. Good Thanks. to hear from you. you. Uh, Fixico from L.A., I need the really short version, if you would. Good morning, Dominique, front page family, Mr. Stevie Wonder. I commend these heroes in KJLH for doing good in the hood. 51 years ago, I was a Watts gang member and youthful offender. Sadly, my son, the victim of a broken relationship, was also a former gang member who, in 1993, he and two of his unarmed friends were gunned down by a Compton gang member who, after killing three people, I'm told, pled down and rolled over on his homies. He was out in 
in five years. This is a generational curse that will require the cooperation, coordination of all society to rectify. Thank you, Fixico. Well said, really, in a short amount of time. And I'm sorry for your loss because that never, ever goes away. It never, ever goes away. It, 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 It may be a generational curse. It's certainly something L.A. has exported to the world. Yes, um, for sure. But, but we're exporting the solutions now, aren't we? That's yeah, right. Because that's right. a generational curse can be broken, and it can be broken by the, by you as an individual. All you have to do is speak life. All you have to do is say no and go the other way. And deal with family. I think you've got to deal with family. I mean, yes, as an individual, but we've got to deal with generations forward and backwards, Absolutely. right? I mean, Rick, you've been talking about getting to the kids. We also got to get to the grown folks that have those habits, don't we? Yeah, we do. The we elders. Do. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I mean, nobody is, is, is exempt to this. I mean, it, it's affected so many people and, and still affecting so many people. But they with them, I mean, this is the kind of stuff they got to me. So we don't know how many people that, that, that you're going to get to today by bringing us on the show and letting people hear the real. We got to go. We're out of time. Steve Harvey has a radio show. And congratulations, Steve. $33 million at the box office. Ka-ching. Uh, think like a man. Well, thank also, Dominic, we just want to thank you. you. I mean, you have been, man, ever since you you've been here in the city. Here. That's right. You've been on the front line, you know, utilizing your voice in this medium of the radio to inspire folks, to get new folks involved with the movement. And, you know, we're in debt to you, Absolutely. you know, forever. Absolutely. Well, that's the least I can do. That's... The 20th anniversary of the Watts Gang Peace Treaty being celebrated. Let's celebrate something that came from the struggle of 1992. That's right. Or at least was propelled to a new level, I should say, by 92, (laughs) because it was already in motion. It's April 27th and 28th. That's Saturday and Sunday, right? Friday and Saturday. Friday Friday and Saturday. So the panels are all day Friday. Yes. Mm -hmm. Starting at 9 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. And day two is Saturday. That's all day from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. That's at Graham and 103rd at the old station there. And your press conference is today where? At 11 o'clock at the Watts Gang Task Force meeting at Compton Avenue and 103rd um, in the Watts Civic Center, um, Suite 200. We'll have everything up at DominiqueDeFrima.com and KJLHradio.com. Akila Shirelles, Cornell Ward, Coach Cornell, and Rick Ross, thank you so much for coming in this thank morning. You thank you so thank much you for having us, Dominique. Thank I you. always close out with an affirmation. Today I'm going to close out with the words of Jim Brown. All right. Let's take a deep breath in and let us release. Today, let me remember, success is a a journey journey and not not a destination. destination. Till next time, Radio Free Family, be well. Thank you. One love. Thank you. On April 29th, 1992, a jury in a Simi Valley courtroom acquitted four Los Angeles police officers of the brutal beating of motorist Rodney King. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Stacey C. Coon, not guilty. That decision would ignite six of the most explosive days in Los Angeles history. 37 people dead, more than 1,300 injured, more than 4,000 arrested. Damage estimate, $200 million and rising. Radio Free 102.3 KJLH remembers the civil unrest of 1992. And throughout all the chaos, we were there. Please stay out of the streets. And keep you updated on what's going on around you so you don't need to go out in the streets. We'll let you know. Tune in to KJLH all week, April 30th through May 4th, as Carl Nelson returns to the front page, 4.30 to 6 a.m. to join with Dominique DePrima for the 20th anniversary of of the front page and the civil unrest. And to this gentleman, I'll call him, that says there's a revolution happening, 
happens if we're fighting the enemy? We're out there tonight fighting each other. Right here on Radio Free 102.3 KJLH.